It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W! Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode 44. Cubs sink the Jolly Roger. Don't forget to listen, download, review. Most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter and Instagram. Fly the W on Facebook or email us, Fly the W670 at gmail.com. Now, Crowley, the Cubs are taking on the Pirates. They have sunk the Jolly Roger, but let's not bury the lead. Uh, usually you are in your uh, pimped out man cave, but today you are on the road. You are bringing our podcast subscribers, our listeners, a little uh, Myrtle Beach Cubs action. Tell us about what you've uh, seen and done so far. Yeah, I, I've been down in Myrtle Beach uh, the where the low A affiliate Myrtle Beach Pelicans play. I went to the game last night. And it was an absolute blast. I recommend people come down there. And I'll, we'll do a whole vacation review. But it, it, it is really cool down here. Uh, I, I got some special. Uh, I will Tonight's going to be special. So be watching for the socials on Fly the W and Crawley's Cubs because it's, it is going to be a, a fun night tonight. But I've had my beer bats. I, I've had a lot of fun. I mean, it, it's literally just beach, beer, and baseball, which, you know, what else can you ask for in life? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right. So more of that to come, but uh, let's get it going right off the bat. So uh, Jamison Tyone uh, was going on Monday night against his uh, former club, actually Tuesday night against his former club. And the uh, Cubs had to outweigh a 70 minute rain delay and it was worth the wait. Yeah. Jamison Tyone versus Luis Ortiz and the Cubs win this one 11 to three. Uh, the Cubs rewarded the Wrigley faithful who sat an hour plus delay, like you were talking about in wet, soggy conditions. And they reward them with a 11 to three victory. Jamison Tyone pitched well. He got the quality start. He went six innings pitched. He gave up six hits, three runs, two walks and four Ks. The only problem Dustin is apparently he wasn't listening to the fly the W podcast because we told him do not pitch. Be careful. Jack Sawinski. So he hit two home runs off Tyone in the he first sure and sixth yep. inning. Get this, Dustin. Sawinski's slugging 1.083 in 12 career at-bats at Wrigley Field. 
Good thing they were both solo home runs, so you minimize the damage on that one. But uh, Merriweather, lighter, and recently called up Anthony K. all pitched one inning, and J-Mo got his second win of the season. I thought he looked great, Dustin. Yeah, he looked pretty He looked pretty good. I, I don't know if I'd go as far as um, great, but but good. I, I definitely, definitely good. Um, walks down, K's up. You know, I always want to see more K's. Uh, than walks, but definitely, uh, definitely good enough. And uh, got a little nervous um, at one point. It looked like uh, Rossi might trust him a little bit too far, but uh, let's get into the story of the game. Yeah, that's the offense, man. The good Cub fans were nervous. When you looked at that lineup, it came out. You had him a bottom three of Master Boney pinch hitting. Master Boney pinch hitting. Um, I almost him- lost my mind, Crowley. If we would have been on the air in that, in that, lineup would have been released I might have had to have been restrained I mean there is no reason a guy who can't hit his weight is your DH the whole point with his DH to get a hitter in there that oh my god and then you had Nick Madrigal and Tucker Barnhart and so you look at that before the game starts now mind you once the game happens baseball happens but you can't have three guys in the lineup like that those are like almost automatic outs like that's a third of your lineup that's an automatic out but baseball being baseball, it worked out. Down one nothing in the first. Ian Happ hit a three-run homer. According to Jordan Bastian, that ended a drought of 144 plate appearances and 118 at-bats without a home run dating back to May 5th. It is June 15th, Dustin. That's a long time for your number long three number four time. to not have a home run. But Happ is slashing 319, 406, 570 in 83 games, career games against Pittsburgh. The Cubs' day offense did nothing in innings two through five as the Pirates slowly cl- crawled back to tie it in the six. You know what I mean? And, Dustin, we've kind of been used to it where they score a couple of runs early and then do nothing the rest of the game. Right. Uh, but that wasn't going to be the case today because after they tied it in the six, Matt Mervis hit an RBI single to put the Cubs up four to three. Then in the seventh, the Cubs loaded the bases with one out when Ian Happ got hit by a pitch to make it five to three. Thank you, Pittsburgh, for the freebie. Cubs caught a break when Dansby Swanson hit one that deflected off the glove of the pitcher to make it six to three. You know, Dustin, I think it's about time the Cubs start to catch some of those fluky breaks. I feel like it always is the opposing team that gets those and the Cubs never do. And it's, I I have a feeling that that's kind of turning here. That's just my opinion. I don't know. Yep. I would agree with you. Um, They deserve to catch some breaks and I think they're about to start uh, going the Cubs way. Well, with two outs in the inning and former Cub Rob Zestrinsky, Rob Z, if you remember that name back to the 2016 era, Mr. Clutch, Jan Gomes singles to drive in two more runs, and the Cubs were up 8-3. to three. The only concern was that Ian Cap tweaked his calf on that single and was taken out of the game as a precautionary measure. I was surprised, though, Dustin. The Cubs had an 8-3 to three lead, and they went with Mark Leiter in the eighth. Now, Leiter's pitched a lot, and he's a guy that they're going to lean on a lot. We've talked about him being one of the best bullpen uh, pitchers. With an 8-3 leader, are you surprised that he went with him? Yes and no. I understand it, but I think that just showed how important David Ross thought this game was. So he wasn't taking any chances. Even with a five-run lead, he was not taking any chances at that moment. The Cubs absolutely needed to get a win off of the team leading the division right now. So I have no problem with it at all. That was a statement game by the Cubs that night. Yep, and Chris Morrell, who came in to pinch hit for Ian Happ after he left the game with that tweaked uh, calf, he hits a three-run uh, homer, and that's going to make it 11-3. to 
The Cubs finished with 11 runs on 14 hits, two home runs, and went a remarkable 7-4-15 with runners in scoring position. Love it. Yeah, when's the last time that happened? I mean, unless maybe they had scored, you know, one run in a game and that, that was it and nobody had done anything else. But, I mean, batting 500 with runners in scoring position, more of that, please. Well, you're going to get more of that in game two because we got Drew Smiley <laughs> versus Osvaldo Beto. Uh, the Cubs had never seen Beto before, and so, you know, I was a little nervous on this one, and Smiley didn't uh, help my nerves at all. The Cubs did win it 10-6, to six, but – to me, Dustin, if the Cubs season goes well for the rest of the year, I think this is the game that you're going to look back on because, you know, the game starts and Drew Smiley seemed off. First battery face, Andrew McCutcheon leads off with a home run. He then gives up a two-run homer to Carlos Santana, and the Cubs are in a 3 nothing hole in the first inning. So not a great start. Nope, not a great start at all. I was really, really nervous. Um, the Cubs would then, you know, dig into the lead in that first inning back or second inning back. But boy, I mean, was not what I expected from Drew Smiley at all. No. And then Santana would also hit an RBI single in the third to make it four to one. And Austin Hedges. Yes. Austin Hedges hit his first home run of the season to make it five to one. You can't give a home run. See, this is the thing I tell you, man. I don't get mad if you give up home runs to Carlos Santana. That's okay. But Austin Hedges, Austin freaking Hedges. Come on. So. Drew Smiley hadn't allowed multiple home runs in a start this entire season. That's 13 starts. And in this game, he gives up three home runs in four innings. So it, it wasn't a good start for Smiley. But here's the thing I will tell you is that he did grind it out. He, he was able to give the Cubs some length. He went six innings. He gave up nine hits, five runs, uh, one walk, and four Ks. But like I said, just not the smart start you were looking for from Smiley. And, and I, I was obviously nervous, you know? Oh, you had to be nervous. I, I, I was absolutely nervous. I did not know that they would get back into this one. Yeah. Like you said, they were down three, nothing early after one, but Ian Happ had an RBI single to make it three to one. After that though, the Cubs had multiple opportunities to add more runs in the second inning and in the fourth inning came away empty handed. And you, you kind of started rolling your eyes and saying, here we go again. Here we go again. Right. Exactly. Here we go again. Yep. All right. Getting ready, writing the script. Cubs can't score with runners in scoring position, blah, blah, blah. But then in the sixth inning, right. The Cubs will load the bases and with one out Nick Madrigal, who was hitless in the game, he works a three, two count and then relief pitcher Johan Ramirez was called for a pitch clock violation, an automatic walk. And the Cubs trailed 5-2, to two, and that got the ball rolling. The floodgates are going to open. Mike Talkman's going to hit a two-run RBI single. Nico Horner would fly out, but then Seiya Suzuki drew a walk. Ian Happ singled to drive in Man- Magical and Talkman, and the Cubs come back to take a 6-5 to five lead. Dansby Swanson singles to make it seven to five before Morell struck out to end the inning. When it was all said and done, the Cubs brought 11 batters to the plate, had five singles, drew three walks, and scored six runs. And in the bottom of the eighth, Seiya Suzuki would add a two run double to give the Cubs a nine to six lead. Trey Mancini would single to make it 10 to six. And that's how the game would end. The Cubs scoring 10 runs on 14 hits, they drew seven walks. They went six for 18 with runners in scoring position. Talkman, three for five, two RBIs. Say a two for four with two RBIs. Dansby, three for four with two RBIs. Offensively, Dustin, great team effort. 
Oh, absolutely. And what a great use of Trey Mancini in that game. That's how Trey Mancini should be used all the time. Pinch hitting and then a defensive replacement late in a game that the Cubs are leading. And look what he did. He added, he padded the Cubs lead. That was excellent. One other thing I want to mention, the bullpen saw Michael Fulmer give up one run and two hits with two Ks. Mark Leiter was in again. He didn't give up any hits, and he struck out one. And Albert finished it up, giving up a hit and a walk, but also striking out one. But I want to make a special shout-out to Mike Talkman. He's really changed this lineup, and, and Rossi leading him off. Tip of the hat to Rossi to kind of recognize this guy gives you fantastic at-bats, and, and his defense has been amazing. And I think he may have saved this game for the Cubs after the Cubs six run rally, right in the sixth, they go up seven to five and the Pirates have runners on second and third with one out. And Carlos Santana, who already had a home run, who already had an RBI uh, single, he hit one that looked like it was going to bounce off the wall. But Talkman again makes a sensational catch. A run did score on the sack fly, but rather than it being a tie game with both the runners scoring and Santana in scoring position, it was the second out, and Fulmer was able to get out of the inning without further damage. I thought that was a huge, huge play. Oh, spectacular. You know, the other day we had a catch by Talkman, the uh, Palatine Pounder, even if he doesn't like it, I'm going to continue to use it, um, that you said would probably be the first highlight when we uh, look back on the Cubs' uh, 2023 season, this one will definitely be in the mix as well and could have been a game-saving defensive gem. We, yeah, absolutely, and, and we, we talked about how this series, you know, these next nine games, when we, before we started on the last podcast, we talked, you know, six against the Pirates, three against Baltimore, is going to have a huge impact on this Cubs season. And now the Cubs tonight go for the sweep with their ace, Marcus Stroman on the on the mound. You got to feel good about that. All right, Cub fans. Um, it is late night after the Pelicans game and the Cubs game, and um, some updates since uh, we left off here. Um, when we recorded this afternoon, it was going to be Marcus Stroman versus Johan Oviedo. A um, couple notes: Matt Mervis was optioned to Iowa, and Cody Bellinger was off the IL and playing first base. Marcus Stroman got the win, his sixth straight quality start, which now put him up to 13 this season, most in the big leagues. Stroman went six innings pitch, gave up four hits, two runs, two walks, and five Ks. Now, three of the four hits that Stroman gave up came in the third when the Pirates hit three straight singles to start the inning. The third single by Tucapita Marcano scored the Pirates' first run, and Carlos Santana grounded out to score the second. But that was all the damage the Pirates would do against the Stroman. They would get one more hit off him the rest of the game. Anthony Kay, Julian Merriweather, and Michael Rucker each pitched an inning of scoreless ball. The Cubs' offense got their first run in the third when Nico Horner drew a one-out walk, stole second, and scored on an Ian Happ single to make it 2-1. to one. And just like game two, the Cubs had an explosive inning, this time the fifth. Nico led it off with a single, sale lined out, Ian Happ doubled to tie the game. Dansby would reach on a single and welcome back Cody Bellinger. He would hit a double that would give the Cubs a three to two lead. Morell would single to make it four to two. Magical would hit a sack bunt to score Bellinger to make it five two. And a fielding error by Marcano gave the Cubs a six to two lead. That's a five run inning. So the Cubs would add an insurance run when Ian Happ tripled and scored on a Morell sack fly to make it seven to two. And that would be the final score. 
The Cubs offense scored seven runs on 12 hits. They went four for 10 with runners in scoring position. They did leave 10 men on base and Nico went two for four. Ian was three for five and a home run short of the cycle. And Christopher Morrow went three for three with a triple and two bar BIs as the Cubs took all three from the Pirates and now find themselves 3.5 games back from the Buckos. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is episode 44 of season number two. We're calling this one the Cubs Sink the Jolly Roger. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. In this segment, Crawley interviewing Andy Gariola, outfielder of the Myrtle Beach Pelicans. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, we have your left fielder Andy Gariola. Andy, how you doing today? I'm great. How you doing? Oh man, I keep I got you see on my shirt it says beer, baseball, and I'm gonna throw beaches in there. Yes. You can't ask for much more. This is a great location to play some minor league ball. Oh yeah, I'm loving it. You know, I'm from California too, so kind of close to the beach. So this weather, all that, you know, I'm on the off days on Monday I'll go down to the beach. So perfect place to play. You do any surfing? Uh, I used to when I was younger. Baseball kind of took that over, you yeah. know. Yeah. I really want to. I might try to start back up in the off season, but. So you said you come from California, Sierra Madre. What got you into baseball initially, man? What was it that sparked your passion? Was it someone in particular, or was it just a team or a player? Uh, so my older brother played. Uh, he's like three years older than me, so I always kind of grew up following him. And I like baseball. My dad made me play too, and I just stuck with it ever since. And we always, we me and my brother would just play wiffle ball in the yard and stuff, you know have that competitive edge. And so you got a lot of teams out in Cali. You got the Dodgers, you got the Padres, you got the Angels, the Giants. Yeah. Which was a team that you would say you'd watch? Were you, were you more interested in just players? So my dad's from the Bronx, so we're all Yankee fans growing up. But I, I like going to Dodger games and stuff. So it was always a good time. And was there any player that kind of stood out to you? Or were you like, that guy's awesome? I loved Manny Ramirez. You know, that was like the prime Manny Wood uh, era. So like left field Manny Wood. Like I was always oh, yeah. obsessed with that. That was sick. That was, uh, yeah, it was it 2008? Yeah. I think, and he came, and uh, I was at the playoff games where Manny destroyed us uh-huh. in the NLDS. Okay. But, yeah, Manny actually was a coach for the minor league Cubs for a little while, which imagine how cool that would have been that for you. That would have been sick, yeah. <laughs> so sick you go to high school, and are you a, are you playing just mainly baseball, or were there other sports that you like to play? Yeah, I played baseball and uh, football growing up, basketball, volleyball. Kind of played all of that growing up, and baseball just kind of – Became the main sport, fell in love with it. You know, here I am. So far. So you get you in high school, you have a really good career, man. Three time all league selection at Damien High School in California. You're in first team honors in 16 and 18. So you led Damien to the 2016 baseline league title. So you had a lot of success early. Did you know that you wanted to go to college right away, or were you hoping to kind of catch on and get drafted? How did that work out for you? Uh, yeah, early. I, I wasn't committed early as a high school player, so I kind of just went to these showcases and stuff. And, you know, I didn't commit to till, till Dominion to my senior year, but 
I heard about some talk during the draft, and I heard I could get popped out of, out of high school, but I just kind of want to go to the college route and get better, you know, develop as a player. And so you go to Old Dominion, and, and Old Dominion actually kind of has – it's interesting. The Cubs draft a lot of players from Old Dominion they have yeah. in the past, like P.J. Higgins and some other guys. Bryce Windham, yeah. Yeah, Bryce Windham, he's, he's great. But, you know, when you're there, you have a really good rookie season in 2019, and then 2020 gets wiped out, which, again, when I look at this crop of young players for you guys, yeah. you lost a year of development. What did you do to kind of keep yourself in baseball shape? Uh, you know, I just kind of worked out and hit every day and worked on my body, mobility. Just kind of trying to stay active, especially during COVID, you know. We get, went home for that, and we just kind of tried to stay healthy, you know. I was trying to get injured. Yeah, so when you look at the numbers, you know, you were, you were second team NCBWA All-American. You ended up setting the ODU career record with 49 home runs. You finished career second in school history with 214 career RBIs. All sorts of numbers. And so you're sitting there and you're watching the draft and you're waiting for your name. Were you at your house? Who, were, who was with you? How did that all work out as you getting ready for the draft? Yeah, it was me and my dad actually on the couch. And then we had the draft tracker on. And I already told uh, Schwoop that I would take whatever, you know, for the draft. And he was like, yeah, we're going to get you. So I was waiting. And then 17th round got came around and saw my name. So that had to have been an exciting moment. And what did you know about the Cubs prior to getting drafted by them? Uh, I knew like where the uh, affiliates were because my buddy Jacob Wetzel was here a year before and he went to ODU with me for a year. So I kind of knew all like that, like where I would start and all that. So. And have you ever been to Wrigley before? Uh, no, I haven't been to Chicago at all. Honestly. All right, we got to get you up there. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's an absolute blast. Yeah, and definitely. so, you know, you're, you're here now in Myrtle Beach. You played a little bit in the, uh, in the Arizona League. What was that like when you first saw the facilities at Sloan Park? Yeah, that was really cool, you know, going in there after the draft um, for the first couple of weeks, just the weight room, like the food and stuff. The locker room was all cool. All the guys that were there were friendly and welcoming. So that was a great time. So, you know, you, you then get moved. You find out that you're going to go to Myrtle Beach, which, like you said, you trade in the Pacific for the Atlantic. Yeah. And you get to go, and you got a couple of really cool coaches here. Talk to me about Buddy Bailey. What is – you know, he's, I forget how many wins, like 2,500 wins, whatever. What is it like learning under Buddy here at Myrtle Beach? Yeah, it's a, it's an honor to play for him. You know, he's, he's had so much experience, coached so many big league players, you know, been around the game for a long time. So anything he says is kind of got to take it into heart and just listen to it. And then the other guy that you got here, hitting coach Roberto Vaz. It's his first, Vaz's first year down here. What do you think as far as, you know, the team is concerned, when you think about it, what's the, t you know, is there a organization philosophy to hitting and what does Vaz kind of bring to the table? We kind of have like a set mark for each game, like 10 hits, 10 runs. That's our goal every game. And, you know, and it's pretty hard, but we try to do it. And I think he's, he's really like uh, aware of our swings and what we need to work on communicating well with us. So it's, it's fun working with him, just trying to get better each day. And now we're about, uh, what, a week and a half away from June 25th, which marks the end of the first half of the season. The Pelicans are in first place. It seems like you guys have really picked it up as of late. What do you think's kind of clicked for this team together? Yeah, I think we've just been playing more as a team and have more chemistry with each other. And, you know, the vibes are good in the locker room. We're all having fun. And I feel like that translates onto the field. And, you know, our pitchers are pitching good for us. We're getting timely hits. You know, Stevens, Valsteros, they've all been hitting the ball really well lately so and i gotta tell you when i watch you play because i have the mlb package and i have marquee 
you play with like a high intensity, man. I saw you one time make a catch over by the Tito's beach over there, flipping over. <laughs> like you play like with a little bit of reckless abandon, and have you always kind of been that way, like going all out? Yeah, I like playing the game, you know, balls to the wall. It's kind of uh, it's two hours of the day, really, that you need to do it. So why not do it? Absolutely, man. Yeah. And, and and that that plays real well in Chicago, man, because people just love to see that kind of effort. But just be careful. There's that brick wall we got at Wrigley Field. <laughs> I don't want you getting hurt. The Ivy should help, right? Uh, <laughs> it's it's, it's uh, not as forgiving as you would think. But uh, when you sit here and, and, and you play in Myrtle Beach and you have the fans that you do here, you go to other stadiums, you see other parks. How does it compare the Myrtle Beach fans compared to the other stadiums you've been to so far? Yeah, honestly, in left field, you'd think I'd get heckled more on the road, but most yeah. most of the fans have been really kind of cool and chatty with me, and especially the ones here, you know, they're all always friendly and throwing balls every other inning, so got, got a good little bond going on. And you talked about the pitching improving lately. I was here last night watching Michael Arias just absolutely oh, yeah. throw the heck out of the ball. How fun is that for you as an outfielder to watch, and what other pitchers have you been watching and just been kind of really amazed at what they've been doing? Yeah, Arias has been Great for us, you know, uh, Brody, McCullough, Kip, all those guys, you know, just throwing the ball over the zone, and, you know, getting quick innings. It's fun as outfielder, you know, to sit out there for a while. Yeah, and 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 you get to sit there, and it's it's also – I've also watched when the team plays, it seems like a lot of different guys step up in a lot of times. You seem to be a guy that likes to hit with runners in scoring position. Do you feel like that helps you just kind of lock in? Yeah, I feel like, I don't know, I've always kind of liked hitting with runners on second and third or even bases loaded because I feel like they have to throw the ball over the plate. You know, there's no, no really place to put me unless second and third. But, yeah, I feel like it's a good adrenaline rush, but also a mixer of, you know, staying controlled. Now, baseball, like you said, you get a couple hours a day. You guys are out here. You're hitting. You're having fun here. What do you like to do when you're not playing baseball? Uh, yeah, I like going to the beach for sure, you know, uh, working out, kind of chilling, going on walks. I like uh, California, I go on hikes and stuff too in the off season, so that was always fun. All right, big hike. And what about music? Music, EDM. EDM? Love the EDM, yeah. Okay, I was doing some research and I just saw Van Halen pop up and I saw Kings of Leon. That might have been a phase when I said that, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I, I still like them though, I'll listen to them. All not right. My, not my. Uh, Music of choice, though. EDM. All yeah. right, man. Well, you know, it's it's been a real pleasure to talk to you. I appreciate you kind of jumping in here and taking some time after batting practice. Yeah, and, and, and you know, we're going to be watching your career. And as you progress through the, the minor leagues and hopefully one day at Wrigley Field, I'll be able to cheer you on. Yes, sir. Hey, great meeting you. Good to meet you, man. Thank Take you. care. You too. Nice job with that one, Crowley. This is the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode 44. Cubs sink the Jolly Roger. Crowley, you're down in Myrtle Beach with the uh, Myrtle Beach Pelicans. And let's talk a little bit about some uh, news and notes from around the league. And then let's uh, preview the next big series at home as the Orioles come to town. Yeah, I thought this was interesting. Wilson Contreras, we, we, we've, been, we've been talking, we'll talk about the standings in a second, but needless to say, his worst season as a pro. And this was a quote from Wilson. I wanted your take on this, Dustin. He said, this is my first time since I've been in the big leagues that I've struggled this bad. I think I've lost my confidence and I lost my trust and lost the trust that I came into the season with. It just went away. Well, talk about somebody that needs a little bit of a checkup from the neck up, as a famous uh, talk show host used to say. Um, I feel bad. I, I don't want to see Wilson struggle. 
maybe he needs a timeout. Maybe he needs a mental health day. I think I also saw a picture floating around today on social media where he uh, took out his frustrations on a uh, cooler in the uh, dugout of the uh, last place, St. Louis Cardinals. But since he decided to go on that side of the rivalry, I'm not going to have a whole lot of pity as long as he's not suffering mentally. Yeah, and and and, and I, we brought this up, and I, I've said it over and over again, careful what you wish for. I, and, and I will say that the Cardinals fans have been pretty patient with Wilson, much more, I think, than they were with Dexter Fowler. But I, I, I just – it just was a bad situation to walk into. Again, I don't want to feel bad because he's gonna he can wipe his tears with you know hundred dollar bills, but uh, you know that that's I think that players have to realize that what you're walking into. I mean, I know money's a big factor and gener- generational wealth and all that stuff, but is is the is the situation right for you? And I never thought it was for Wilson. I'm curious your thoughts, Crowley. Um, yesterday before the game. Jed Hoyer met with the media was uh, seemed a little put off, if you will, that Marcus Stroman went to social media with what's going on with the contract. Um, Any surprise by the comments from Jed Hoyer? And then do you think it will have any impact in Marcus Stroman's start tonight? I don't think so at all. Um, Jed's response, he said, um, you know, they asked him to be reporters, which is what they got to do, right? You know, it's out there. They got to ask him. I don't think he was annoyed at Marcus. I think he's like, look, you know, I'm not going to answer anything. Right. So he said, I mean, honestly, I've talked about it a million times. We just don't talk about those things. Obviously he made that public. And listen, I love the fact that he wants to be here and we've had conversations about it. I'm not going to disclose what we've talked about, but there's dialogue and we'll keep that in house. Now, the reason that Marcus signed with the Cubs, he was looking to get what he thought was fair market, which was five year, hundred million dollars. And he didn't get that. And so that's kind of why he took the deal with the Cubs with the opt-out. He bet on himself. And so is the question you have to ask yourself is, I mean, Marcus is not a guy that's throwing it in 97, 98 miles per hour. He's a guy that relies on his location and, 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 and making sure the ball gets hit on the ground. And, you know, maybe he's a guy that can do that for five more years despite his age. Yep, we'll have to wait and see. On that same day, Tuesday, there was a lot of roster moves and additions and subtractions to the injury report. On Tuesday, the Cubs made a flurry of moves. Cody Bellinger made his first start for the I-Cubs going over three and playing first base. So just keep in mind that, again, like last year, and this is a problem we thought we solved in the offseason, first base has been a black hole for the Cubs with uh, with their first baseman going a combined 239 with a 699 OPS, which is 21st in the majors. There's only nine teams with the worst first base situation in the Cubs. Talkman, like we talked about in the first segment, has looked really good. Questions abound now is, you know, with Cody, and Cody is back in Chicago right now. Whether he plays or not tonight, we don't know. But um, with Cody, you know, there, there is a possibility he has played first. And if his knee isn't even 100%, let's say it's 85%, he could easily play first and have Talkman stay in center. And that would mean Matt Mervis would probably move back to Iowa. Well, now, hold on a minute. Now, David Haw said the same thing. I respect your baseball opinions. I respect his baseball opinions. But let me just play a bit of devil's advocate. Why can't you have all of that and have Matt Mervis DHing? 
you, I, I, somebody, you have to make room for somebody, right? So somebody's going to have to go down, and the question is going to be who? Um, there is a question. Well, Master Boney is, still is Master Boney still on this roster today? Uh, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't believe. Uh, I don't believe so. So he got uh, sent down because of. Uh, he got sent down because of. Uh, uh, who was it? The third baseman now. Right. Uh, right. Magical. Yep. Magical. He went down. I mean, I don't know. Can we, can you, can you get by with one less arm? The, the question, no, no, no. The no. question you have to ask yourself is, is, is it, do they feel that they're going to give it to magical the shot and, and move Patrick wisdom down? That's an option as well. Um, I don't you know. We had a guy today who said DFA wisdom, the way he's been going. I, I can't imagine they would do that but that's just where people's heads are at on this whole thing right now. Right. But the thing is, is obviously we know that uh, Mervis has been struggling. So maybe send him down, let him clear his head, let him hit some triple A pitching. I've heard other people argue he's going to get no benefit out of that. We know he can hit triple A pitching. He has to work his way out of it. But if he's going to work his way out of it, that means he has to be in the lineup every day. And I don't think that Ross wants him in the lineup every day, to be honest with you. I think he wants to win now. And doesn't have the patience to see if Mervis can dig himself out. If you remember when Anthony Rizzo first started for the Padres, that was a disaster. And he got sent down. He was called up. There was a lot of excitement, very similar to Matt Mervis. And it, it did not go well for him his first time up. Went down, worked on some things. And, you know, he was eventually traded to the Cubs. We all know how that story ends. But, you know, it, it, I just timing-wise, I don't know if they're going to be willing to um, see I, next year, absolutely hundred percent. I think they'd be more willing to, but I don't know. We'll see what happens, but I could see that being a move. It, it would, you're, you're looking at either Mervis or wisdom. That would be your two options. Okay. What about, uh, your guy, Jeremiah Estrada? We got some pitching news to get into now. Yeah. Jeremiah Estrada, he struggled with his limited opportunities. He was moved to triple a, the Cubs called up veteran lefty, Anthony K. Now the Cubs claimed K off the blue waivers from the blue Jays over the winter. The Cubs also moved Brandon Hughes to the IL. He has had a knee injury all year. His performance has been bad. 70, 24 ERA. And so he went down. Master Boney was called up again because of that injury. So master Boney is up. He could go down again. And no, then and that's, that's what I would do. Okay. Right. If you're going to tell me that master Boney is going to be hanging around, then I'll take, I'll take Matt Mervis, <laughs> you know, five times on Sunday and every other day, the rest of the week and Mastacholi can go down to triple a. Right. And, and so, so that is, that was all the latest moves now. And then uh, Brad Boxberger faced hitters in a live BP session on Monday. So just waiting to see if that guy can come back and come back like normal, you know? All right, Crowley, we'll keep our eyes on all the transactions. The next thing up for the Cubs are the Orioles, who are playing really nice baseball. Yeah, last season the Orioles had a breakout year going 83-79, and 79, which was good for fourth in the very tough AL East. That was our 31-game turnaround, Dustin, from the previous season. Now, Orioles fans were excited to take the next step in putting a contending team on the field, but it was a disappointing offseason Baltimore's opening day payroll of 63 million is exactly the same. It was where the, where the club ended in 2022. So they were hoping that they would somehow be involved in a big free agent splash. Didn't happen, but guess what, Dustin, it doesn't seem to matter because they're 42 and 25 in the AL East. I mean, when you think, could about you imagine, the could you imagine if the Cubs are 42 and 25 right now? Oh, we, we would be ecstatic. And so they are ahead of teams like the Yankees, the Blue Jays, Boston, 
So they only trail the Tampa Bay Rays. So they are, you know, who've been having one a phenomenal season. I'm taking a look here. If the Orioles were in the AL West, they'd be tied for first with Texas. If they were in the AL Central, they would be in first place by a long shot. If they were in the NL West, they'd be in first place. And if they were in the NL East, they would be tied with Atlanta. And obviously we know what they would be in the NL Central, first place by a long shot. Yeah. So, I mean, they're just in a really tough division, but they are playing really, really good baseball. Excellent baseball. And they have a little uh, Cubs connection, right? Yeah, yeah. You have uh, the head coach is is a great, great guy um, who was on the 2016 teams. And, <laughs> excuse me, he, uh, he was a guy that I felt like it was really tough going over there. You know, Brandon Hyde, he was – a lot of the players loved, loved, loved him. And so, you know, glad to see he's doing as well as he is with this team. We said there weren't many additions. Right-handed pitcher Kyle Gibson, left-handed pitcher Cole Irvin, second baseman Adam Frazier, right-handed pitcher Michael Gibbons, and catcher James McCann. Uh, the Orioles lost Jordan Lyles, right-handed pitcher, Jesus Aguilar, first baseman, Brett Phillips is an outfielder. And even though this wasn't the offseason, this was a trade that happened in season. Trey Mancini was on this team. So yeah, long time guy in Baltimore. Right. Long time guy over there in Baltimore. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. So, you know, we talked about how, where the um, Orioles are in the standings. Now we want to kind of take a look and see where the Cubs are. Uh, we still have one more game to go tonight against Pittsburgh. But as of right now, the Cubs. All the craziness, all the everything are only four and a half games back from first place. Pittsburgh amazing. Now, Absolutely amazing. <laughs> Pittsburgh on a two-game losing streak thanks to the Cubs at 34 and 32. Milwaukee at 500. They they are on a six-game losing streak. Cincy has gotten red hot. They've won five in a row, and they're one game below 500. And then the Cubs are seven games below 500, but 4.5 games back in the division and 5.5 in the wild card, two game winning streak. And then St. Louis, 27 and 42 on a five game losing streak, two and eight in their last 10. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. Why I'm not happy. I'm not a Cardinals fan right now. All right, Crowley. So here come the Orioles. Let's get into a little bit of the pitching matchups. Yep, and we remember last time what Kyle Hendricks did on the mound. Uh, he went eight, he went seven and two thirds of no hit ball against the Giants. He finished the eight innings, gave up one hit, three strikeouts. Uh, before that, he had a shaky game against San Diego, bad umpire, I thought, and, and it was a really weird game. He went six innings pitch, gave up six hits and four earned runs. And then against a very good Tampa Bay team, he went five innings pitch, gave up six hits but only one earned run. So um, excited to see what how the professor fo uh, follows that up. They are going to be facing lefty Cole Irvin in his last start against Kansas City, which I don't think is fair because that team is awful. 5.1 innings pitch, six hits, one earned run. Um, he has been, when we talk about Cole, he has been a guy that's kind of been up and down. So uh, he, he was optioned. He went to the minor leagues April 14th, and then he was later on recalled. He's been kind of up and down, one of those guys. So his last game, he did not start. Uh, he only went – that was against Toronto. He only went .1 innings. And then the, uh, before that, he faced Oakland. So 
not a lot to kind of really glean from the information. He, he's, he's really not, he's only started four games total. So in the season and he hasn't thrown the most he's thrown so far was that last start against KFC 5.1 innings pitch before that. Most of them have been just four innings stints. So this is a guy that the Cubs should be able to get to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I am uh, definitely uh, feeling good about game one against the Orioles. Yeah. Now, Game two, Dustin, we have no idea. That is undecided. The infamous TBD will be uh, right now under consideration, but I don't know. Who do you, who do you think is going to be starting that one? Well, so the speculation is right. It is, is Justin Steele is eligible, I believe, right? We haven't heard much on where he's at right this second. Um, would we have Assad potentially start that game? He's still up with the big league, with the big league club, right? Right. Yeah. Um, so that he, you know, or, or would it be, you know, some type of an opener? Right. Um, I don't know that there's anybody, I don't think you'd go with, um, gosh, who's some of the minor league guys. Caleb Killian would be, I don't, I don't, I don't know about Caleb Killian. If you're not going to go like to me, I think it makes all the sense in a world for a sod to throw. And that could also answer the question why we saw, Mark Leiter when we did see Mark Leiter the other night. Yeah. So the question that we, you know, you kind of take a look at is that I know that Steele was supposed to throw on Tuesday, but if you remember, that was a really miserable rainy day and he didn't get his bullpen in. So I, I I'm not sure exactly what to expect. Um, you know, and like you said, Assad's a possibility. What about the idea? Some people have kind of kicked around about maybe giving Ben Brown a spot start. He's been on the podcast. He's been, he was phenomenal uh, with Tennessee. He then moved up into Iowa where he continued playing very well. So you don't know that it is. I'm not, I'm not against that idea. I guess my point is just, if you have Assad up here, if if he's not ready to start, then what's he doing up here? Right. Like what's the, what's the, what's the point? Um, I'd like to. I, I'm just saying. I would. I would like to see Assad. That, that's that's my answer to to this this puzzle. Um, and you know, if it's not working out, then maybe you go to Julian Mayweather early, right? See if he can get you a couple innings, and, and then you could piece it together that way. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's going to be it's going to be tough, and and this is where that injury you know play, plays a tough role because you got to make a call, and if he's not ready you're not going to risk the health of Justin Steele. So somebody's going to have to step up and whoever it is, I don't know. We do know that the uh, Orioles should be going with Kyle Gibson. Kyle Gibson's had a great year so far. He has eight, he's an eight and three record with a 390 ERA last game against KC 6.1, seven hits, three earned runs against Milwaukee. He went five innings, five hits, two earned runs. And against Cleveland, he went 5.2 innings, gave up seven hits, three runs. The guy gives up, a lot of hits, but it just doesn't seem like opponents are scoring. He's able to kind of buckle down when it needs to be. Yeah. So, he looks really good on paper. I'm not going to tell you that I saw him pitch, um, but his stats look, uh, his stats look pretty convincing. Yeah. And so th- that's the tough thing when you have this, you know, facing all 30 teams is, you know, you don't, you don't know a lot of these guys, you know, the Cubs did well against someone they never saw before last night. You just got to sit there, try to figure out there's so much tape on these guys, let them, see what happens. So hopefully they'll do okay. Now game number three is going to be an early game 
for the Cubs um, right away. First game. I think it's one of those. What is that? Who's got that now? Is that an Apple TV game? Who does those early games? Peacock. Do you remember which which streaming outlet does those early games on Sunday? They, they're, they're, there's a lot of, <laughs> unfortunately, there's so many different ways that these games are. Uh, you're talking about the 105 start on Sunday. Oh, I thought it was a 12. I thought it was a 1205 Central start. On, I thought well, it, it could was a be. You're, you're, I think it is 1205 yeah. because I'm on, I'm on Eastern time right, right. now. So, so it's an hour. Cool. It's an hour earlier because of that. Um, right. I was hoping and speculating that they might push Jamison Tyone back one more day to pitch against the Pirates again, being in his old home ballpark. But right now, Jamison Tyone is starting. Um, so I'm assuming that that's what they're going to do. But uh, let's see if they make the old uh, switcheroo. And don't forget, if you can't find it on TV, you can always listen to Pat and Ron on 670 The Score along with our guy, Zach Zayden. Absolutely. And so, you know, we saw what he did against Pittsburgh. He went six innings pitch, gave up six hits, three earned runs. Against the Angels, that was 5.1 innings pitch, five hits, four earned runs, and four walks, just too much. But he got his first win against San Diego on the second. That was 5.23 hits, one earned run. So he has two wins in his last three starts after being hitless you know, his previous starts. So that was, you know, through the month of April and, and March, you know, April and May, he was hit, he was winless. He's got two in the first out of the three starts in June. So let's hope June Tyone keeps going. June Tyone. I like it. He's going <laughs> to face a guy who's got, again, pretty good numbers. Uh, Dean Kremer, seven and three, 4.74 ERA overall. Yep. And with Dean, he, the last start, it was against Toronto. He went six innings pitch, gave eight hits, two earned runs, struggled against Milwaukee, got the loss. He went five innings, nine hits, six earned runs. And against San Francisco, he got the win, six innings pitch, five hits, two earned runs. So another guy who's had two wins in his last three starts, but again, seven wins total. So this is a good, good Baltimore team. And, you know, it, it's, it's going to be a good challenge. And, Hopefully the Cubs kind of keep building on their confidence right now and are able to kind of, you know, take that into the series. Yeah, let's talk a little uh, hot and not, Crowley, as the uh, Orioles are set to come into Wrigley Field on Friday. You said, say a Suzuki better be hot. He is still hot. He is six for his last 11 with two RBIs and three walks, no strikeouts. That is a slash line of 545, 643, 727. I will take that. And you talked about the Palatine Pounder, Mike Talkman, seven for his last 21, two doubles, two RBIs. He's got a couple walks for a 331, 391, 429 slash line. As far as the knots, uh, we're looking at uh, Trey Mancini. He doesn't have a lot of at bats, eight at bats, but he doesn't have, uh, he only has, he doesn't have any hits, or I'm sorry, he has one hit in his last eight at bats. And so his slash line's not looking great, 125, 125, 125. And then we talked about Matt Mervis. He has had a lot of at-bats, 16 at-bats, but only two hits. And one home run, two RBIs, five strikeouts to one K. So it's a 125, 222, 313. You just get nervous how much he might be looking over his shoulder with Cody Bellinger kind of lurking in the weeds, getting ready to come back. Yeah, that's a good point. We'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, so we know who's uh, hot for the Cubs. Uh, we know who's not hot for the Cubs. Ian Happ, I could argue with you a little bit there, Crowley. I think he's getting on base, doing good enough. He's dealing with a little bit of an injury. How about the Orioles? Who do we got to watch out for? 
Uh, with the Orioles, you got to have to take a look at Gunnar Henderson. In his last 22 at-bats, he has 11 hits, three home runs, eight RBIs. So watch out for Gunnar Henderson. The guy is slashing 500, 500, slugging 955. So a lot of red lights blinking on that one. Uh, Pretty Ryan good. <laughs> yeah, right? Ryan O'Hearn in his last 14 at-bats, seven hits, two home runs, four RBIs. So that's another guy batting 500. On base 563, slugging 1,000. Now, as far as the knots are concerned, uh, you could take a look at second baseman Adam Frazier. He's four for his last 16, but he does have two home runs and five RBIs, so he's batting 250, 333, 625. But their catching situation is an absolute mess. Their everyday starting catcher, Adley R uh, Rushman, has three hits in his last 17 at-bats, no home runs, no RBIs. So he's slashing 176, 222, and 294. All right, Crowley, let's go with some predictions. Uh, this is a very good team, but the Cubs are also playing uh, very good. A little nervous that we don't know who's starting on Saturday, so you got to put that into effect when we make your predictions. I I'll go first this time. I think you went first last time. I'm going to say the uh, Cubs definitely get one, but don't be shocked if two out of three. I think the sweep is out of the question. I, I, I mean, I don't like the matchups. I, I, I mean, I like the game one matchup. The the game three one not so much, and the game two is undecided. We don't so know. I'm going <laughs> to go right, with right. I'm going to go with the Cubs taking one of three. That would be my prediction. All right, so we are on the same page there. That's a wrap. Don't forget to listen, download, review, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W on Facebook and. 670 the score facebook instagram email us fly the w 670 gmail.com and you can watch us on youtube by subscribing to the 670 the score youtube channel crowley enjoy the rest of your time down in myrtle beach and i know you'll be very active on social media for our listeners and watchers to follow you it's absolutely been a blast down here and i and it looks like it's been a blast up in chicago hey let's go birds and let's go cubs it's all over.